true believers, this is Head Speaks, a proud member of the Headcast Network family of shows. As usual, I am your host, Aaron Moss, a.k.a. Brother Head, and this is my, well, mostly monthly Headcast, where I talk about comics, movies, role-playing games, TV shows, and anything else geeky that I want. Sometimes I'm alone, sometimes I manage to con a guest onto the show. So if you like comic books like Firestorm and The Atom, or movies like Back to the Future, or even the Star Wars sequels, uh, or anything else geeky, this, this is the place for you. So let's get the flux capacitor fluxing, the TARDIS tarting, and let's say Shazam! On with this episode of Head Speaks. That which is wrong, and to serve all mankind. Hey, dear listeners, Brother Ed coming at you. Uh, welcome to Head Speaks, episode 66. I think I've only got one segment today, so let's go ahead and get started. Faster than a speeding bullet. Amazing friends! The Justice League of America versus the Legion of Doom. This is What's in Ed Longbox. Dedicated to truth, justice, and peace for all mankind. The world's greatest super friends. So, in this episode of What's in Ed's Longbox, I'm going to continue my coverage of Power of the Atom number seven. This was cover dated holiday of 1988. The actual on-sale date was October the 25th, 1988. The cover price, $1. The title was called Behind Enemy Lines. Written by Roger Stern. Penciled Graham Nolan. Inker Stan... I'm sorry, Keith Stan Wilson. Letterers Bill Oakley. Colorist Nancy Houlihan. Edited by Mike Carlin. The pencil was done by Graham Nolan and Keith Stan Wilson. Uh, comments before I start the issue. This issue is labeled as an Invasion First Strike Extra. The Invasion was a three-issue miniseries that crossed over a lot of the DC titles. Uh, basically told the story of aliens attacking Earth, uh, several different alien species. Uh, worlds teamed up. Because Earth has a lot of heroes, has a lot of metahumans on it, and they feel that Earth is going to be a problem. So they wanted to enslave Earth, and the Dominators wanted to experiment on our metahumans and find out what made them and see if they could, I think, create their own, if I'm not mistaken. I did cover this invasion series over my Starman Manhunter Adventure Hour a couple years ago at this point. It was episodes 8 through 10. So if you want more on the invasion itself, check out the Starman Manhunter Adventure Hour, episodes 8, 9, and 10, where I covered all three issues, and then how they tied into Starman, Manhunter, I covered The Flash, and one other book I'm forgetting now, but they tied in together, so... Uh, but we're going to go ahead and look at just this one issue of 
power of the atom. I'm not going to cover the main invasion or any of that, just how it affects the atom. So this is power of the atom number seven. Uh, the cover on this has a large picture of the atom standing in front of the earth with a bunch of alien ships surrounding him. Uh, they're all white with just the, the like bluish outlines for the color of the ship. Kind of like a serpent type thing. And on it, it says Invasion First Strike Extra. Uh, the way that they did this, all the issues that came out or that tied into the first issue of Invasion were called First Strike. And then I think there was a second strike. And then there was a... I don't think it was called Third Strike. I think the last one was uh, Invasion Aftermath, which is the next issue. So... This ties into the first issue of Invasion. I love this cover. It's when I think of the Invasion, I think of this cover. Uh, when I see this cover, it very much brings back the Invasion crossover. As I've said elsewhere, the Invasion uh, from DC Comics is the first DC crossover that I, I bought into when I started collecting comics. As I said, I started collecting comics of uh, G.I. Joe in eighty. I think it was 87. Slowly started picking up other comics. Uh, by this point, like I said, this was 88. So I, I was pretty much well picking up. Like I said I picked up Power of the Atom from near the beginning. Actually, the beginning, uh, I was picking up almost every DC series, I think. Or maybe not everyone at this point, but I was picking up quite a bit of them. And The Invasion, again, I picked that up. And that led me to pick up even more DC books. So... Uh, the Invasion has a, a soft, spot, soft spot in my heart. So let's go and get started with this book. Uh, so we start out with uh, the Atom overlooking some cuns, uh, making some Australian guys load some huge boxes into a truck or something. And again, we start off with a, a little intro here. Planet Earth has been invaded by an alliance of extraterrestrial beings. Already... They have, they have seized control of Australia and enslaved her people. But while world leaders try to put aside old differences and settle upon an appropriate response, one man has acted, Dr. Raymond Palmer. His is the power to reduce his size and mass, but with a thought. He is the power of the atom. And then we get the neat power of the atom logo. Uh, we got our, lo our uh, cover, our cover. Our story title down here, Behind Enemy Lines. And like I say, we get the Adam standing up on these beams as he's watching these cuns make these poor Australians do slave labor. And uh, there's one guy on the, in this page I'm going to mention a little bit later when we get to him. Uh, so like Adam uses his powers, he shrinks down and he leaps down and he, part of the Adam's powers, in case you haven't paid attention in the last uh, six issues... And before that, he can reduce his size, but he can also shift his, his weight. So at this point, he's reduced his size down to like six inches, but he's got the full weight of a 180-pound human man landing right on the, the base of the neck of this cun, knocking him out. And his buddy sees it, runs over to attack. He's like, what? Or he runs over to find out what's going on. He's like, American, this is no time to clown around. Don't embarrass me in front of these, being, uh, in front of these earthers. American, what is wrong with you? And again, it tells us it translated here from the Kundi. And as he, he's looking at his unconscious buddy, uh, Ray crows a full size and just kicks him in the jaw. And he's like, your buddy just got on the wrong side of a 180-pound atom. You too. 
And this one doesn't knock him out, just kind of knocks him back a little bit. So he starts shooting at the atom, and Ray leaps for the other alien's gun that he knocked out and grabbed it and, and shoots this alien in the chest, which doesn't knock him out. It just kind of knocks him back a little bit. And so the atom runs up and kicks at him again, using his full strength just to knock him on his butt. And again, one of the Australians back here is like, all right, give one for us. <laughs> and uh, so he's taking out these two cuns and these guys are congratulating him. And one of them's like, that was great. You're that Yank superhero, ain't you? And uh, another guy's like, sure, he's the Adam, spelled A-D-A-M. And Ray's like, um, close, it's the Atom. And he's like, we sure gave him what for? What, what the, where did the deuce you come from? And Ray's like, well, about half an hour ago, I was in a lab full of stooges work for an old enemy of mine. And we kind of recaps the end of the last issue and what we didn't see. Where Cronus, you know, tells him about the alien invasion. He shows him news footage of the Dominators uh, giving their ultimatum. And basically, Cronus wants to work with Ray. And because, again, he may be a villain. He may want to take over the Earth, but he is still an Earthling and he still loves the planet Earth. That's where he, that's where he lives. That's where, you know, uh, someone I heard once say that's, that's where his stuff's at. So, you know, he's got to defend it. And so he's telling Adam, you know, I'm willing to put aside our differences and we can work together. And Ray's like, because he calls, he says, uh, an, alien, an alien invasion is a much more immediate concern than our rivalry. And Adam's like, rivalry? You've been trying to kill me for years. You people shanghaied me to this place and pet me through hell until I broke free. Why should I trust you? And this is where David, a.k. Cronus, is like, Adam, we are both Earthmen of considerable power and our world is threatened. What do you say? And he holds out his hand for that, you know, shake Adam's hand as like a sign of truce. And Adam looks down at it and looks back up at him like, all right, a truce for now. But that's all I promise. And he turns and walks away without shaking Cronus's hand, which kind of upset Cronus. You can see the, the scowl on his face as Ray just walks away from him. So Ray has Cronus call Australia. And as he's doing so, Ray's looking around his place. He's like, place like, Place this plush costs plenty. I wonder where you saw the money to do it. <laughs> Which again, fair point. But uh, so Cronus calls calls Australia, and he's like, "What do we do now?" He's like, "Just hold the phone, count to twenty. I'll do the rest." As he shrinks down and jumps into the phone, and again he says, "You know, it's strange getting any kind of help from one of his oldest enemies." We had a little time to reflect on it because once he shrunk down, uh, the calls electron stream shot him down the line and then we end up in australia where one of the cons is sitting there listening to a, a phone uh, a headset and he's like huh? sounds like some full earth or resetting numbers and ray goes inside the the cun's ear and i imagine starts playing the uh, bongos on his eardrums or something cuz the guy claps his ears his hands to his ears and falls down unconscious and, and as he takes out this cund uh, another one of the aliens i forget what they're called offhand but he describes it as a walrus with a bad underbite <laughs> went running at him and again as he says uh, from the looks of him he doesn't even have ears and another cund comes in the rooms and shoots it the Adam, but again, the Adam shrinks down real small and blasts his uh, walrus-looking friend. So again, I, I love when the Ray, the Ray, when the Adam 
uses his powers like that and he shrinks down and causes the bad guys to shoot or or punch one of their friends or something. It's a great use of his powers. And again, as I said, I love here on the bottom of page seven. I love they're showing him shrinking down out of sight while the cunt is blasting at his buddy there. It's just magnificent image here. And I, I like this. It raised like, I don't know who was more surprised, him or the walrus? <laughs> I'd say probably the walrus, seeing how he, uh, it's the last thing he saw. But, and then he grows again real tall and uses you know his full strength to sock him in the guts. And again, he's able to draw on the tiny fraction of that mass for a split second, adding it to a swing to give enough power to knock out the, the cun. And so he picks up the headset and tells Cronus, you know, I'm here, you can stop counting. And as he's talking to him, he tells him he's in a long line sh uh, switching carrier, a small force guarding the place, he's going to check it out. And Cronus is like, well, just sit tight, sit tight. I'm either in a matter of moments or minutes. Uh, hold on, I'll join up with you. And Ray's like, sorry, don't have time. Got too much going on. I'll see when the war's over. And he hangs up on him. And <laughs> click. Ray's like, he probably hated it when I hung up on him. Anyways, that's my story. And uh, so he's like, you know, what's yours? And he's like, buddy, cuns have been using us for slave labor. Our families were all herded into camps. And when Ray hears this, he's like, prison camps? Where are they at? Maybe I can, I can free your friends. And a couple of the guys are like, you're not going alone. We're going to help you out. You know, this is our family. This is our, our, our place, our home. We're going to help you. Our, you know, nothing you do to stop us. And so Ray's like, huh? okay, that's what you wanted. And he changes back into his regular clothes. So he's got his IVU cap on. And I went back and checked the last issue, issue six, because that's the kind of things I do. And when Cronus kidnapped him, that's what he was wearing. The, the IVU hat, the, the green jacket, blue jeans. So I do like that they they kept it, the continuity of it, of what he was wearing at the time. So very nice. And so as they're making their way to the the prison camp, they're basically like, you know, how'd you become, how'd you become a hero anyways? And he's like, I guess my book didn't make it down this far. And so basically the next uh, page or so, he he kind of recaps his origins about how he found the white dwarf meteor. Uh, he used to make a costume. Uh, he started helping out. He used it mainly to help out this lady friend of his that was trying to establish her practice. And the guy that I mentioned on the first page, he pipes up here. He's like, sounds like a right special lady. If I you, I'd marry her. And the reason I wanted to mention him is because it looks like it's Paul Hogan uh, in his Crocodile Dundee uh, clothes. So Crocodile Dundee or Paul Hogan, whichever it is, uh, was apparently one of the people captured by the Cuns over in Australia. <laughs> I just thought that, I, I don't know if it's supposed to be one of the two, or if it just happens to be an Australian that looks like him. I'm not quite sure of the artist's intent on this, but I, it made me chuckle seeing Paul Hogan here. But yeah, Paul Hogan's like, that's what I'm referring to him as when I mentioned him. Uh, sounds like ladies, right, special lady. If, you, I'd, if I were you, I'd married her. He's like, I did didn't last and he explains that she's married to someone else now and as we do a, a scene cut to show gene watching the news about the alien invasion and the un uh talking about how they're not going to give into the aliens demands and they're talking about you know possible retaliatory actions with the just league international and gene's worrying that you know ray she knows ray's gonna be involved with this because this is what ray does and she's right ray's right in the middle of it all 
Meanwhile, Paul, Ahob and her, her husband, I believe he is, I believe they got married. Oh, that's what she said. Yeah, they've been married. Uh, he's all upset that she's worried about Ray when he could be called active duty. He's like, oh, I didn't even think. I, I assume this is a superhero matter. So I didn't think about civilian or not civilians, but regular soldiers being called into duty. So, and again, uh, he, they're kind of hugging it out. And he's like, it's okay. I understand you're upset. We're all upset. And now look on Paul's face here on the bottom of page 11. It doesn't show much, but I think it shows enough that that he's, I don't know if he's worried or just upset that Jean is so worried about her ex-husband. Uh, and again, I I don't care for Paul, mainly because, again, I read the story of the Adam series, a miniseries, and I know that, you know, he, he basically, in quotes, stole Jean from Ray. Again, Jean is not innocent in any of this. She's just as guilty, so... I'm not a huge fan of Gene Loring or Paul at this point, just because of the way the, the relationship with Ray ended, as I've talked about back when I covered the Power of the Atom, I'm sorry, the Sword of the Atom, issue one. So, but he will, this this whole situation here will come back into play later, but not this issue. Then we cut somewhere over the Coral Sea, where we have Cronus and his little jet flying over, and we have these two guys in red and black onesies they're flying around and we find out that these are daxamites from the planet daxma and over the invasion series we find out that these are kind of like kryptonians on their home planet they're ordinary people but under earth's yeah, yellow sun they gain superhuman strength flight the whole superman spiel uh, the one difference between daxamites and kryptonians are that the daxamites are allergic to lead I don't know as if we've found this out yet in the book. I believe it was a, issue two, I want to say, maybe, of the Invasion series when we found out that the Daxamites are allergic to lead. So we got these two Daxamites flying around, and they see the ship, and they're like, that's not an Alliance ship. It's nothing I've seen like on Earth either. Let's go take a look at it. And they fly up to it, it disappears. Like, well, it's gone. How, how can it be faster than us? And the other guy's like, well, we're new to these powers. We don't know the extent. Maybe, you know, we overlooked and was looking too far, or who knows? It's around here somewhere. So I do like that this kind of shows that these guys are new to their powers. Uh, they're not like Superman. who's had them all their life. They're brand new to having superpowers, so they don't quite know how they work. And they're not quite sure exactly other limitations, if you will. So I, I do like that they're following up on that in this book, even though these are just a couple of throwaway characters that doesn't really matter to us as far as this book goes, because this is their only appearance. I do like that they're giving us a little bit extra on uh, these other aliens that are invading Earth. So but after they fly away, Cronus' ship reappears, and he makes mention that he has a chrono shifter that caused him to sink a quarter second out of phase with normal flow of time. He could see them, but they couldn't see or touch him. And again, as he's flying off, he's like, I must, ex I must maintain extreme caution if I am to find the atom. So he flies off. And speaking of the atom, a couple hundred miles away, or several hundred miles away, we get that shipping truck from earlier uh, with the atom and all his friends posing as either slaves or cuns unloading boxes, keeping up appearances. 
And one of the cunts sees the Australian dressed up like a cunt. He's like, what goes on here? You're not a true cunt. And Ray, again, I like this. He's in his regular costume, or regular costume, regular clothes, holding a box. He immediately shifts into the Adam clothes and just tosses the box at the cunt, knocking him down. And he's like, don't worry about him, you ugly lump. You've got a bigger problem, me. And so again, Ray does what he does. He jumps around, shrinks down, causes the people to shoot at each other. And I like this here on page 15. He jumps up in the air and as he falls down again, he's like a, a inch in size or so. But he's got his entire volume shoved into that one inch. So as he falls, it's like a bullet going through this cun's uh, chest. So I'm not quite sure if his chest, that looks like actually more, I guess his shoulder area. But again, he's like, he got shot by a bullet. And I, I love when they do these kind of things with the Atom. And he's using powers in interesting ways. And it, he explains what he's doing. Instead of just doing it, we do have the, the editor or writer. Uh, I'm assuming it's the writer, the way it's written here. Say he's concentrating his full mass in a tiny volume. The Atom plunges through the alien's shoulder like a living bullet. So here on, like I say this is page 15, just a great image of here on the top right corner of the Adam just flying through this guy's shoulder, like you said, like a living bullets. And Ray grows full size, picks up a gun. He's like, all right, cuns, if it's a war you want, it's a war you'll get as he blasts another one of the, the cuns out. And at this point, it's full-out war here as Rage jump around, blasting on. And I like this. One of them's like, uh, they want to take him uh, alive so they can question him. And as he's jumping around, one of them's like, he moves as though he's weightless. Well, yeah, he kind of is. So I, I do love this action here on page 16 of Ray flipping around and shooting at him. And one thing these cuns don't realize is that they're, they're dealing with Ray Palmer, who one time was just a superhero, but then for a while, he was a warrior living in a warrior society there in South America. So they're not dealing with just an ordinary superhero. You know, Ray at this point, especially since these are aliens and they're trying to take over Earth, I, Ray, I don't believe minds killing him so much as he may have used to pre-Sword of the Atom, just because he's learned a, a different lifestyle, I guess, is the appropriate word for it. And then we cut back to the base where Adam appeared at, where Cronus is landing, and he uses his powers to look back in time, I guess. And he sees uh, Ray retelling his story to the Australian guy. And he's able to tell, Cronus is able to tell that it occurred less than an hour ago, so he takes off to find Ray as he's been looking for back at the battle. Again, we get these humans with Adam fighting all these cuns and Ray tells him, you know, keep the unarmed prisoners back. Let me draw the cuns fire. And one of the Australians like, you heard the man cover him. And as they're fighting, one of the, the commanders, the commandant tells them to bring out the aerial guns. And so, and he tells him show no mercy. And as Ray's fighting, his blaster runs out of power. So he just socks one of the, Cuns into another one, which knocks him to an offense, which apparently shorted the whole fence out, caused a big opening in it. So Ray starts, you know, getting all the prisoners out through that way. 
when all of a sudden these three sky cycles, I'm going to call them, show up and they start blasting, again, like three seconds, three seconds to stop and they start blasting civilians, which is here on page 18, just a tiny little inset panel of Ray going, no, just a look of, of, of fear, not fear, but anger and sadness on his face that these, these innocents were killed by these alien cunts. So Ray jumps at him and, and jumps into the masks of one of them, causing him to fly around uncontrollable, which causes him to fly into his enemy, his enemies, his, his companions, and they all explode or they crash, exploding a little bit of both as they crash on one of the buildings, causing it to explode. And then we cut to miles distant where we see Cronus is flying up to the camp. And here on page 20, very top, there's a nice shot of the Australian standing around Ray. His costume's kind of shredded, the top shoulder's torn off. One of his leg, uh, the pants is torn. And he's just standing there looking at the rubble of this destroyed building. And he's one of the guys like, Adam, are you all right? He's like, I'll live. How bad are our losses? We find out there's a dozen dead, maybe twice that many wounded. But they yet found a single coon still standing. He's like, you stopped him for us, Adam. We owe you. And Adam's just like, very was like, yeah, hooray for our side. Because, again, you can just tell that Ray is very saddened and upset by the deaths that were caused by these coons. So, very much, they've won, but it's, like, in quotes. They've won, but they lost too many lives for Ray's satisfaction, if you will. And I agree. I mean, any lives that are lost is a a sad moment. So, but then we get Cronus showing up. And he's like, uh, as he, I was saying, I was quite sincere when I told you I had a stake in protecting our world. Still and all, you appear to have done quite well without me, partner. And Ray, again, he's been fighting Cronus on and off for years. So he's like, I'm not your partner. I'll never be your partner. Understand? And all of a sudden here on page 21, a gun pops out. I was like, are you sure you won't reconsider? And uh, the gun blasts, in quotes, at Ray. Uh, Ray jumps out of the way and we find out that actually Cronus was shooting at one of the coons behind him. That was sneaking up behind him. And he tells him, I wasn't aiming at you, Adam. That alien was drawing a beat on you from behind. We can't have that, now can we? And it's really nice here on page 22. Yeah, page 22 of the cun that got hit by the blast just... I think he got aged. He's tur- turning into dust. It's just a great scene here along the top of this this coon as he starts kind of shrinking down. We see him turning into dust in front of us. And Cronus is like, as you can see, I've learned a bit more about the control of time since the old days, Adam. Looks like you and me are alive. And Ray's like, later, we still have a war to fight. And again, I, I love the interaction between Ray and Cronus. I mean, Cronus appears to be trying to pet everything into the under the rug, they're passed behind him, if you will, for the sake of teaming up to fight these aliens. But Ray, especially I think part of where the Ray's coming from, where Ray's coming from is, as I said, he, he spent quite a while as a, a warrior with a bunch of, you know, these alien warriors. So I think that's kind of changed him. I think that if this would have happened pre Sword of the Atom, Ray may have taken Cronus up on his offer to team up. 
But at this point, he's just seen a lot of crap in his life. He's just tired of it all. And he really doesn't trust Cronus, which we're going to find out maybe is a good thing. So again, great issue. I love the art. I love the story in it. And here at the bottom it says, Earth's greatest heroes fight for the liberation of Australia in Invasion Number 2. And next issue, joins for the Adams Showdown with Cronus in The Eye of the Storm. So again, a great series, like I said, a great issue. I, I love the Invasion series. I definitely recommend go checking it out. If you haven't done so, uh, check out my Starman Manhunter podcast. Like I said, issues, I think it was 8, 9, and 10, where I cover the Adam. I'm sorry, where I cover the Invasion, in, relatively in full. I cover the Invasion three issues, plus the four issues I talked about earlier that, that tie into it that I covered, so... This is just another part of it. I also covered part of it over in Suicide Squad because they crossed over into it at the time. Well, I say all the, the DC books, or a majority of them, crossed over into the invasion at some point. Uh, this next issue of Adam, which I'll talk about next month, takes place after issue three of the invasion. Or around that time, it's an invasion aftermath extra. So it's at the end of the invasion. Uh, we'll talk about that next month. But I think that's going to do it. Uh, that's all I got time for this month. Go ahead and let me know what you think. You can send an email to head at headcastnetwork.com. And I would love to hear from you guys. Did you guys like this invasion uh, crossover? Did you like the Adam? Give me your thoughts. I love hearing from people. Also, if you don't want to email, you are free to call us. I do have a voicemail set up for the head. Headcast Network. The phone number is area code 559 500 3182. Again, the Headcast voicemail voice line is 559 500 3182. Call and leave a message there. Uh, and if you like what I'm doing here, check out our Patreon page, patreon.com slash Headcast Network. Uh, if you like what I'm doing, throw a few bucks in the tin and you can join some other Patreons we have, like Gene Hendricks which is another podcasting friend of mine I met via podcasting. I've had him on some of my earlier shows. I've been on some of his. Great guy. I love him. Also, we have Mark Ross, a.k.a. Cluck Trent, who is uh, helping out with the Patreon. So join those two gentlemen and throw a few bucks in the tin. Uh, and I will read your name off on the air. But that's going to do it for this episode. Uh, remember, until next time, Head has spoken. for listening to another fantastic episode of Head Speaks. Hope you enjoyed it. If so, let me know. Drop me an email to head at headspeaks.com or visit our home at head.headspeaks.com. You can also visit and talk with me on Facebook and Google+, both under Head Speaks. You can also send an MP3 file with your thoughts, and I can play that on the air. And you can also get more of me on my other podcasts. Be sure to listen to Task Force X, where monthly I look at John Ostinger's Suicide Squad and Paul Kuppenberg's Checkmate comics from the 80s and early 90s. 
Also, over on G.I. Joe, a Real American Headcast, my podcasting friends, Ryan Daly and Kyle Benning, along with myself, are looking at all of the G.I. Joe, a Real American Hero comics, and related titles from Marvel and IDW. All of my headcasts are available on iTunes and Stitcher, along with the respective blogs and my main page at headspeaks.com. All comments, thoughts, and opinions expressed on HeadSpeaks are owned wholly by the speaker of said comments, and do not express the opinions of HeadSpeaks, unless, of course, I'm the one making the comments. HeadSpeaks, Task Force X, and G.I. Joe, Real American Headcast, are all part of the Headcast family. So, join us next month for another wonderful episode of HeadSpeaks. Until then, I'll see you in the funny pages. Good night. Good night.